0: Welcome to episode 42 of the Tech Reformation, where the world of technology meets the worldview of Christianity. I'm Ben. And I'm Craig. And that is it this week. Wow. Such a small crowd. Craig is back simultaneously as Derek and Tank are not here.
1: (laughs) I know. I think they they thought that I hadn't showered for the last three weeks or something and they wanted to get out of here. (laughs) Not that that matters seeing as how we're across continents, but you know. Anyway, it's good to
0: be back. Yeah, it should be easy for listeners to distinguish between our two voices this week.
1: That's right. Craig is pleased <laughs> that he does not have to refer to himself in the third person. <laughs> um, that will be great. But Craig is very excited to have a little baby boy.
0: Oh, yeah. Congratulations.
1: Cool. Yeah, thank you. It's um, He's going really well. He's very healthy and eating well and doing all those good things. And I'm trying to help my wife out and learn how to do all the things that I've never had to do before, like change nappies and... <laughs> actually get a kid to sleep when he d- wants to do anything but sleep. So, um, yeah. Good times, but yeah, he's going well. So, thanks for everyone who was anyone who was praying for us and whatever. The labor was like ended up being over 24 hours long and um there was a oh, few wow. co- few complications at the end. The head doctor, the head um uh pediatrician doctor got called into the um the labor delivery room at, in the last kind of hour. Um, because the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck and his stomach. It was wrapped around his body twice. But they didn't tell us why. There was an extra doctor there. He just appeared and we're like, oh, that can't be good. (laughs) Um, So, after a really long labor and then a couple of things like that happened, uh, it was kind of stressful at the end, but it all sort of turned out okay. He was healthy and stuff. So, that's really good. And he's doing all right now? Yeah, he's doing well now. He's um he's doing all the right things. All the the nurses and stuff. Like when you know they come out and do checks in your in your home once you've been. We're in the hospital for three days, um, and then came home, and they come to your house a couple of times, and um, yeah, they they said that he's doing really well. So that's good.
0: This is Tech You Should Know, the part of the show where we feature the top news stories from the week that we believe deserve your attention. First up, Facebook threatens to delete your photos. Facebook has decided on quite the way to convince people to download moments by threatening to delete thousands of photos if they don't. The notice has to do with a photo syncing feature that was recently removed from Facebook's main mobile app. Starting in 2012, the core Facebook app was able to automatically upload photos from a phone's local camera roll to a private album on Facebook. They were kept there for storage, but also to make it easier later to share them publicly on Facebook. The syncing tool has been moved out of the core Facebook app and into the photo app Moments. Wow. This is a similar strategy that they employed with Messenger uh, a while back. Seems like Facebook just wants to get more apps on your phone. Great. <laughs> that's what we all need. Are they all going to be like 150 meg as well? Yeah, that's what we all need, more of Facebook. Yes. <laughs> Some of the biggest news this week, Microsoft bought LinkedIn, the professional social network that we probably are all familiar with at this point. Uh, this was huge news in the world of M&A in enterprise and social networking services. Microsoft has announced it is acquiring LinkedIn, the social network for professionals, with some 433 million users for $26.2 billion. That translates to $196 per share, and it's in cash. The transaction has already been approved by both boards, but it must still get regulatory and other approvals. I heard an interesting note today on this one, actually, because $26 billion seems like a lot, um, even for LinkedIn, which I would say is a pretty popular social network. It's actually only $60 per user, if you do the math. I'm, I'm sure that's a rounded number, but uh, which is not really a, a high cost of like customer acquisition for, for something this big. So
1: hmm. LinkedIn neat. is popular, but I still don't really know why.
0: Well, I think it's just the biggest alternative for Business what it does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think it depends what field you're in. Like, I think salespeople probably use a lot more to generate contacts and um, whatever. But
0: yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's part of why Microsoft wanted it. Yeah. Also, this week, Apple had another keynote, as they are prone to do. <laughs> the Worldwide Developer Conference of 2016 was this Monday. Um, and if you didn't get to catch the live stream, Uh, In the show notes, I've included a supercut that's uh, 10 minutes long of basically the entire two-hour keynote. Or you can go find the live stream um, in Apple's WWDC mobile app. Just some of the highlights that I'll read off uh, from a linked article. The operating system for Mac has a new name, Mac OS, which includes a Siri for the Mac and more continuity across devices. Apple Pay is coming to the web with transactions uh, through websites in ah. several launch countries. The Apple Watch has actually had a sort of major OS refresh with Watch OS 3. Um, that actually section of the, comp- of the keynote might be worth, worth watching by itself, just to see how much the watch has changed. I know that lots of folks are saying that it's really great that Apple is um, taking feedback so well and willing to make changes on sort of fundamental uh, usability things iOS has also gotten a slew of updates, as per usual, every year, including a complete refresh of the Music and Maps apps, a redesigned lock screen with rich notifications, and quick interactions with apps. They've also expanded the 3D Touch support, which seems like they're really buying into this feature. Unfortunately, my phone doesn't have it, so that's kind of (laughs) sucks. Apple News has gotten a complete redesign as well, and now supports subscriptions. And finally, one of the bigger things that they did uh, with Messages and Photos on iOS, kind of a complete redesign there. It feels like they're sort of taking on Google Photos with uh, Apple Photos now. And Messages is attempting to take on Snapchat and WhatsApp with all of their uh, enhancements there. They've actually included a new app store specific to iMessage, which is pretty interesting. There are some weird, kind of weird features like you can scratch to reveal text and you can auto-change words into emojis it's very weird. Um, but yeah, I guess this is the new age messaging app. Um, they also announced some changes to TV OS, uh, including a dark mode, which is pretty neat. And they are updating the remote app for iOS that you can use with the Apple TV. And finally, maybe one of the bigger things, they're opening up the Siri API to developers for the first time so that apps, uh, six different kinds of apps at launch, will be able to take advantage of using Siri. A lot of changes in the software front for Apple this year. Uh, If you are interested in more, feel free to click the link in the show notes. Next up, you can now use Hulu in VR on Oculus Rift. I'm not sure why you would want to, but the Oculus Rift has been out for a few months now, and one of the more curious quirks of its library is its conspicuous lack of video content, especially when compared to competitor Samsung's Gear VR, uh, which also uses the Oculus Store. Hulu launched its own app on Gear VR in March for example, but now the streaming service has gone the extra mile by adding support for the high-end Rift headset. Have you bought any of these Rift, off of these uh, VR headsets, Craig?
1: Um, no, my next-door neighbor got the Oculus Rift when it came out uh, a while ago, like quite a while ago, because um, he's right into gaming and stuff, and he he showed me at one point, and he, he sort of was, I said, you know, are you enjoying it? And he said, it's really good quality, like it's, it's such a cool um, piece of tech, but I think he said he could only use it for like half an hour at a time. And then he kind of messed with his brain. Like it was kind of, he got headaches and stuff. Um, hmm. so I don't know if that's everyone or if that was just cause it was early days and they hadn't quite perfected the movement side of things yet. Um, but I think he just kind of said it has potential, but it wasn't something that he could sort of just get immersed in for long periods of time. But this was when it, fit, like he was definitely an early adopter. Like he was so keen for it that he got it quite early on. Um, so, yeah, that's Oculus Rift, but I don't know whether it's it's moved. It's, I'm sure it's probably improved since then, maybe. At least in terms of like the, the software or the games or whatever that are available in it,
0: maybe. What do you think? Well, as I look more into the hardware options that are available right now, at least sort of the three or four mo- most popular ones, I, I noticed that not only does price vary, uh, widely, but, but uh, the way that it works and what you can do with it also varies just incredibly widely. Which oh, okay. Uh, is, I don't know. It's hard to, to know. I guess it just depends on what you want to use it for. Um, yeah. Listeners can check out episode 37, where we talked a lot more in depth about uh, VR and all of the options that are available in sort of the mainstream consumer electronic space today. Twitter mobile apps can now start live Periscope broadcasts Twitter has updated both iOS and Android apps with a live button that starts a Periscope broadcast. It's actually a bit of a cheat, though, as all the button does is open the Periscope app or prompt you to download it if you don't already have it installed.
1: See, this is one of the things that frustrates me about Twitter and Facebook. Is the, it's, Periscope is cool, but you should be able to use the, that feature without having to boot a separate app. And it's the exact same thing with Facebook and Messenger. If you're going to build... Like, sure, Facebook could just have a Messenger app for people who, for some weird reason, don't want to have the Facebook app on their phone, but they still want the ability to send private messages not mm-hmm. over their phone plan. Um, But you should also be able to use the same functionality within the Facebook app. I just think it's a... It's a pain in the butt for users to have to be kicked out into another app. And for Twitter to add a button that says, hey, you can do Periscope. But if you press it, all you're really going to do is get prompted to download or to boot a separate app anyway. I don't know. It it just, to me, doesn't actually make life any easier. It just kind of adds another thing to the interface. Um, Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, Some of the deep linking functionality, though, is getting a lot um, better for this, though, which makes the experience feel feel not quite as jarring. um, Yes.
1: But... The whole back to Twitter and back to Facebook button does help. I'll grant them that.
0: Oh, yeah. On iOS. Yeah, that helps a ton. And speaking of Facebook Messenger, Facebook rolls out a new look for its Messenger app. Following this week's news that Messenger for Android users can now use the app for SMS, which is texting, Facebook announced this week a new look for its mobile messaging app that aims to offer more than just a simple list of recent conversations. While those will remain at the top of the screen, they'll now be followed by new sections showing your favorite Facebook contacts, friends' birthdays, and an active now section. The only thing that's really annoying about this is I've tried it and I noticed that when you become friends with someone, it starts that conversation at the top of the list and it sends you a notification or a badge icon like like they've messaged you or something, which is super weird because they didn't. And finally this week, in the stream of conferences for 2016, Electronic Entertainment Expo, or folks may know it better by the name E3, conference was this week. And so I've included some links for Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo's biggest announcements this year. Um, I'll just mention a few. Microsoft is launching two new consoles in the next two years, Xbox One S and Project Scorpio. Xbox Play Anywhere will let you play, believe it or not, anywhere, whether you're on an Xbox One or Windows 10. Xbox Live has gotten clubs, and there's been a lot of uh, games announced with gameplay trailers, which I will leave to listeners to check out if they're interested, including Halo Wars 2 Beta, which is playable now. And for Sony... Some of the more exciting announcements, God of War, if you're into that kind of thing, has returned, as well as The Last Guardian having a release date. They showed off Horizon Zero Dawn, which, according to some people, stole the show again. And more and more games, including Resident Evil 7, and a new Spider-Man made by the makers of Ratchet & Clank, which I'm really excited for because I think everybody needs a Spider-Man game that doesn't suck. (laughs) Also, PlayStation VR is coming on October 13th. And finally, from E3 this year, Nintendo's keynote, which I've heard from a lot of folks, has been kind of a letdown. Uh, The biggest thing, really, is there's a new Legend of Zelda game, which actually seems like a different kind of Legend of Zelda for the first time, maybe ever. Uh, I guess it's more like Elder Scrolls, if you're familiar with that. Um, So that looks pretty interesting. You can see videos in the link in the show notes. And that is all the tech you should know this week. If you feel that we've left something out that you consider important, uh, feel free to send us an email at ask at techreformation.com and let us know what you think that is. And uh, maybe we'll include it in follow-up next week. And if you want more tech you should know throughout the week, follow us on Twitter at techreformation.
1: And now it's time for Tech You Should Use, the part of the show where we tell you about a piece of tech that we find useful and that we think you might find useful too. Uh, this week, I'm going to be talking about the app that I use as my uh, podcatcher, uh, my podcast catcher. We've talked a little bit about this in Recos before, um, and at the end of each episode, we say things like, um, recommend us on Overcast, because a lot of the guys use Overcast, and um, and so that's obviously something you can keep doing if you if you do use overcast, but um a while back, I was using initially I used the i o s podcasts app um and i i it did everything I wanted it to do until they changed the design of the u i and the layout and they made the first tab the unplayed tab rather than the you know just the general browsing of my podcasts and stuff. I just didn't like the the update. Uh so since then I, I heard on another podcast, on a a business podcast called Catching Twenty Two. Um I heard about pocket casts and heard that it was made by an Australian company and that it had, had some uh positive attention from Google um in terms of its um design, I believe, uh material design and stuff. So uh, downloaded it and have been using it ever since. Um and find it yeah, it's really good. Uh it has a bunch of features that uh, make podcast listening Really easy. Um, Basically, you know, it's got auto download, so you can auto download um, your favorite episodes. Uh, And I think you can tell it what time of day you want it to download, so it can download while you're asleep and things like that. Um, It can sync across your devices. Uh, It allows for continuous playback, so you can set up like an up next playlist. Uh, And then it'll just, uh, you can put things into a playlist and it'll play episodes one after the other from different podcasts. has variable speed, obviously, like, um, all the good podcast catchers these days will let you, um, change the speed and listen to things at, uh, faster speed. So, uh, their variable speed on Pocket cast is from 0.5 times to three times. Um, and you don't have to download anything extra. It's just part of the, part of the, um, the play bar down the bottom. Uh. One of the other cool things is you can cool things is you can create episode filters. So by default, there's a few already in the app. There's an unplayed area, uh, a downloaded filter that tells you all the all the individual episodes you've got downloaded already from different uh, casts. There's a video filter uh, and a currently downloading filter. But then you can choose to create new filters based on um, how much of an episode you've listened to already, or um, it's download status or whether it's audio or video. Um, One of the other things I really like about Pocket Cast is that you can customize how you listen to a podcast in terms of how, like how it starts and ends. So um, for example, there's a podcast I listen to that has a, like a two minute intro and I can tell Pocket Cast that with that particular podcast, I always want to skip the first two minutes uh, because I don't just want to listen to the same long intro every week. Um, but basically, yeah, the UI is brilliant. Um, it has um, a, like a sleep mode so you can tell it to go, you know, to fade off and go to sleep after a certain period of time. Um, you can push it through to your Apple TV. Um, the show notes uh, appear really, really nicely. It does have a favoriting feature, a star feature as well. Um, and they're, they are promising a big update but they're just not giving a date on it. So, if you've been looking for a pod a podcast catcher, you're in the market for one. It does cost a f- couple of dollars. Uh, it's not super expensive. And for me, it was worth it to get something that was um, looks amazing, functions really, really well, and the fact that it's Australian-made is just a bonus. Um, yeah, so if you're in the market for a new podcast catcher, uh, definitely check that out.
0: So, Craig, uh, with Pocket Casts, I use Overcast, like one of the many people you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah. Um <laughs> And one of the things I love about it is that it has a very, very simple, um, and yet it still has it, uh, a web player so that I can log in, uh, at overcast.fm and see all my podcasts there. Um, so like if I'm on the go or something, um, although I don't know why I wouldn't have my phone, (laughs) but, uh, anyway, you can get it from, from, you know, any computer, any web browser, which I think is really cool. And I do actually use it, uh, to kind of keep track of all my feeds. Does Pocket have anything like that?
1: Uh, like a web player? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I've never gone looking for it because I've never needed to use it. Like you said, I've always had my phone on me. Yeah. Um, I can't see anything that indicates that when I go to their website. Um, okay. So it just has a, uh, it just has like basically a homepage, a support page, and a blog. Um, are the three links on the Shifty Jelly um, Pocket Cast page? What I have noticed though is in our Slack channel, um, I think twenty percent of our listeners um, are Pocket Cast users. So um, I have noticed that when 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 you share an episode in Pocket Cast, it shares a URL that actually has a Pocket Cast URL, so it's not just a um, RSS feed. Have you seen that in the Slack when people share episodes sometimes?
0: Yeah, Overcast does that same thing too. That is uh, pretty neat because you can link to like a specific timestamp, right? I think so, yeah.
1: But I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if that then links you to be able to listen to it through Pocket Casts on the web or whether it just prompts you to download the app.
0: Oh, um, yeah. That's a good question. I'm not if... sure. And I, I can't find an movie. example.
1: I... I was trying to scroll through this Slack and find one.
0: <laughs> yeah. I usually just... When people send links like that for a specific player, if it's not the one I use, I usually just go look at the feed in the player I use. Yeah. Um, I used to... The reason I brought up the web player, I used to use Downcast for iOS, which is like... Power user podcast app. So it's like got the most customizations probably of anything out there. Sure. Um, a, a lot of what you mentioned, and even more. Um, and frankly, like too many settings, which is why I switched back to um, Overcast. Yeah. But when I was using Downcast, it didn't do a good job of basically going through the feeds uh, and catching all of the updates. So, like, um, I don't know if it was the way I had it set or the default settings or just that's the way it worked. Um, but when I had Downcast, Um, if somebody dropped an episode, two episodes in the same day, it would only get the latest one and overcast never does that. It always gets, um, like everything that's new. And so I would use the overcast web player to keep track of feeds that I wasn't sure I wanted to listen to every single episode on, and then just subscribe on downcast if I wanted like a specific episode or, or the every episode of a certain podcast. So I haven't used the web player as much since I started using overcast on my iPhone, Um, but it is a cool feature if you're kind of using it as a feed troller, like I was.
1: Okay. Do you know what's funny? I just went to shiftyjelly.com. I mean, I just did two things while you were explaining that, which was a a great explanation. Um, I copy, I shared one of our episodes to you in a private message on Slack. Yeah. Um, and it does come up with a pocket cast link. When you click that link, it boots a, uh, Safari window and takes you to a web player. Um, Nice. And at the same time, I went to Shifty Jelly's homepage instead of the Pocket Casts homepage. And the first thing is a big graphic that looks like uh, kind of like an iTunes window with a bunch of play buttons down the right-hand side for the different episodes, and it says Pocket Casts web better than ever. Cool. So, it does look like uh, there is a web player feature in Pocket Casts.
0: That's really cool. They must have um, updated that recently, too, it sounds like, with the way they're marketing it. Yeah, it's pretty neat. You can now Chromecast and star episodes. That's what
1: happened in the update. Cool. Anyway, that's a wrap for Tech You Should Use this week.
0: Our sponsor this week is missionalwear.com. Missionalwear is a website where you can find Reformed Theology swag and apparel. They have everything from polos to hoodies to hats and even long sleeve t-shirts. Just as a reminder, tomorrow, as I'm recording this, June 19th, is Charles Spurgeon's birthday, along with John MacArthur, believe it or not. So it's quite a Reformed twofer in the birthday world. So happy birthday to those two men. And uh, you can actually find Charles Spurgeon's swag on missionaware.com. So go over there and check it out. And when you get there at checkout, tell them that Tech Reformation sent you. Hello, my name is Elijah, and I am the host of The Fetal Position, which is a pro-life podcast dedicated to all the bioethics issues surrounding the life of the unborn human children, from conception to birth. We will be discussing issues from abortion to genetic engineering, stem cell research to cloning, and possibly a handful of afterbirth issues like organ donation and physician-assisted suicide. You can find more details at thefetalposition.com, and please join me in the discussion. Talk to you soon. And now it's time for our main topic, um, and we're going to do something a little bit different this week, if our internet lets us. Um, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But uh, usually Who's your you know, ISP like, again, Ben? Comcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking Comcast. You want to just do a whole episode on Comcast? No, just kidding. <laughs> um, I would. I don't know if I would have positive things to say. Uh, I would have to think about that. Anyway, doing something a little special this week. Um, we usually just talk about one sort of tech or theology topic, or sort of something that's in the intersection of both. That's kind of our sweet spot on the show. Um, But this week, we're going to do sort of a recap, or a round two of the last three weeks, uh, which Craig's been out for, um, due to his awesome new addition to the family. Um, And so, we were glad that he was doing that. Um, But I do want to give him a chance to... kind of give any feedback and maybe we can dialogue over the specific episodes um, and just different nuances of the conversation. It's I was thinking, as I was thinking about this week, um, about how little you actually can get through in even 30 minutes. So, yeah, so we're going to do a recap of the last three weeks and just give Craig a chance to dialogue over his thoughts if he wanted to add anything, but couldn't because he wasn't there. Um, Yeah, and so maybe let's just go through each episode so four weeks ago um episode 39 was about does tech make you dumb so technology in our lives does it cause us to actually know less or be less intelligent do you have any initial thoughts on that one Craig
1: um yeah i I do. I'm just, I mean, I'm going to be guided by you a little bit as to exactly what was in each one because I have listened to them all, but it was a little while ago. Um. So, does tech make you dumb? I mean, the thing that I think, the initial thoughts that I have is that um, tech makes us appear smarter than before, but uh, what it does do is it builds in us a laziness sometimes, it doesn't have to, but it can for some people, um, that can actually be counterproductive. Um, So, I think just part of the nature of the fact that there's more information more readily available uh, means we can find facts or we can find things that appear to be facts um, on the internet quicker and easier um, and we can drop them into a conversation because we've been secretly Googling or (laughs) snoogling in the background uh, while someone's been talking about something. Uh, But at the same time, it does things like, uh, because there are so many things, you know, out there that we can look at, um, there is a tendency for people's attention spans to, if, you know, if you're constantly using things like social media um, and, uh, you know, you can kind of, get yourself into a habit of switching from one thing to the other and not being able to actually concentrate for extended periods of time because you're so used to just task switching and, um, and trying to keep track of lots of different feeds and things like that. Um, and I've been reading a book by Tim Challies called the next story, faith, friends, family, in the digital world. Um, basically talking about what's happened since sort of the, the internet boom and and how we deal with that. And he kind of talks a little bit about this, about, um, in relation to also just finding information so we all kind of think that we're more intelligent because there's more information available in the old days inf- we got information from encyclopedias like my parents bought when I was when all of me and my si- siblings were in school a single set of world book encyclopedias that lasted us our primary school years essentially and we just got the annual update book every year and that was where we went to get our information for projects at least initially and then we started looking for uh, primary sources and things like that but with an encyclopedia it's edited um, and you've got experts writing articles on things and submitting them Um, whereas with things like wikipedia it's crowd knowledge basically and anyone can edit it and it can change all the time so even the, the types of information that we think are making us smarter online um, aren't necessarily because of the the way that the community aspect of the internet works. So I think tech in itself isn't just something that makes us dumb. I think there's definitely benefits to tech and we can learn a lot of things through our use of it, but I think, uh, there's habits that it breaks, that it, that it can, that we can develop around our use of it, or there's things that we cannot understand, like the fact that, you know, um, not everything on the internet is true. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that can be our downfall when it comes to the fact that, you know, not everything that you interact with will make you smarter. Some things will, will do the opposite. (laughs) will give you incorrect information. Uh, And also I think just some of the, um, you know, trying to keep up with lots of different things. And, um, and like I said, you know, the Facebook style of using the internet, um, sort of jumping from one page to another and um, sort of just quickly scrolling and skimming and not actually spending time to take things in properly. Um, is potentially not a good thing to train your brain in as the main way of working. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Um, the week after that, when we were talking about uh, whether technology was neutral or not, which we'll get into in just a second, um, we kind of clarify. I thought Derek really helpfully clarified... Um, what even is technology? And yeah. the example you brought up, you know, relative to does technology make us dumb was the world encyclopedias, right? And that's a form of technology, right? That's something that we haven't always had. It's sort of an innovation in the sense that, you know, this reference book that we can use to um, not have to know everything off the top of our heads, but instead um, be able to refer back to in specific times when we need specific information, you know, and in, it's in the same way that we use Google now, um, where we... S- you know, search for things that we need right in that moment instead of just having to know everything. Well, A lot of the conversation that week kind of revolved around um, memorization of facts and whether whether or not we needed to do that or focus on that. Um, Because, you know, recent generations have memorized less uh, than I think historically we would find. And I kind of talked about the pendulum swing of going from working on derivation skills to working on memorization skills in schools. And we're sort of more in the, um, the former rather than the latter these days.
1: But yeah. And I agree with that. I think memorization is something that, um, I don't know if it makes you smarter, but it certainly helps you know more stuff without having to go and look it up. Um, yeah. And when it comes to scripture and things like that, it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to argue with the fact that it it is a good thing to do to memorize scripture. Oh yeah. And I'd be the first to say that one of the reasons that I'm not as good at memorizing scripture as I'd like to be is because I know that I have a fallback. I know that I can go to my phone and type in what I remember is the paraphrase of the verse. You know, it might be a couple of phrases. I'm thinking, where is that verse about um, household baptism, for example, um, when I'm arguing with a Presbyterian. Um, And and I can pull it up that way and I don't have to memorize um the things that I'm wanting to, to know. Whereas I, I think I really admire guys like Piper who um can can run off a whole, you know, passage basically.
0: Um, or a book.
1: <laughs> yeah, in, in the middle of a sermon or something because they just know it and they they have made sure they know it and it, it it's valuable to them to know that. Um and I think that's a far better place to be in, but it's not yeah, I agree. It's not what our society is used to doing.
0: Yeah, let's move on to the next week. Episode forty, we talked about whether or not tech is neutral. So this was um three weeks ago, right? Um yes. wait, was it three weeks ago? No, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago? two weeks ago. two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. My yep. bad. Uh so yeah, so this was two weeks ago, episode forty on whether or not tech is neutral. Did you have any initial thoughts on that discussion, Craig? Uh I did.
1: Um, and I think I'm going to be more in line with you than with where Derek was heading with it. Sorry, Derek. Um, oh man, <laughs> is that annoying to you? Because you wish I was there now.
0: Yes, I do wish you were yeah. there. But uh, yeah, I was pushback king that week.
1: Yeah, no, I thought the pushback was was warranted. And I mean, I I, I didn't listen to what Derek said and, and think, wow, heresy. Like you know, I wasn't annoyed by it. But I guess I've just got a different um, interpretation of. Maybe what he means by neutral or at least um what he means means by tech being neutral, and I don't want to do this all the time, but again <clears throat> do you want do you want me to give an example of why i don't yeah necessarily agree so again this um you know the the example that Charlie's uses in the book I've been reading um, by him is is um with uh nuclear for example technology the same technology that can be used <coughs> sorry, the same technology that can be used to bomb and devastate an entire city is also the source of, you know, the the technology that can be used to heat an entire city um, or to provide energy to an entire city. So the tech itself is not um, good or evil. The tech can be used for good or evil. Uh, And I think that's kind of... That's the way it is with most things that humans create. Humans, I don't necessarily think, have the ability to create good and evil. I think humans have the ability to act in good and evil ways. Um, and so, the, what we create is is often uh, just a neutral object, but then it's how we use it that, that either turns it um, for good or for evil.
0: Yeah, I think that's where I started out in that particular conversation. And I think I'm still basically there. But I will say um, Derek raised some really important ideas um, and, and great points, I think, throughout that conversation. Uh, I, I, You know, this is kind of more of like a how we do tech reformation comment. But I thought that episode was one of the better ones just because we sort of started from a position of, you know, here's where I'm at. Here's where you're at like what, let's just think through that and talk through where we disagree and what it would take to convince the other of our, of our position. It was, and it was really interesting for conversation's sake, I think for that reason. So what would you say was his most convincing um, point in
1: that made you sort of think, hang on, am I still where I started on this or have I changed my mind?
0: Yeah. So I will say to Derek's credit that I think that episode is probably one of the ones I've thought about more Um, after the fact than any other, um, which is, which is just cool. Um, I I enjoy that. Um, But I would say maybe his stronger sort of arguments, like you were, you were asking about um, towards the middle slash end of the the conversation, I really got some clarity on kind of what you were talking about earlier, uh, just with what he meant as neutral. So when we talked about the shovel illustration um, and he was talking about, you know, Anybody can use a shovel for any different kind of thing, right? but it has an effect on the person who uses it regardless of um of what they're using it for, right? So you feel um, you feel tired or you start to sweat or maybe you your hands blister or maybe even you bleed depending on what you're you know how much work you're doing or something that that to me is really convincing as far as what we do with the technology having an effect on us, and I think he would say um, that the technology itself has that effect on us. And that's kind of where I sort of had to detour still was because, you know, I kind of default back to what you were saying about, it really has to do with how we use it, uh, how it affects us has to do with how we use it. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about that one a lot since then and, uh, have just really enjoyed doing that. So,
1: yeah, I mean, even that I do remember the shovel example and I think, um, there's a couple of things I think about that, that Maybe uh, questions that I would have for Derek: um, If a shovel makes you sweat or makes you bleed, is the shovel is the shovel at fault, or is it still the way you're using it?
0: Um, well, yeah. See, and I think that is one of the questions I was trying to understand as well. Like in that conversation, I think the word "neutral" really threw me off because I was thinking in categories of sin and holiness. Yeah, you know. So, like, we would talk about our relationship. Um, between us and God yes. as being broken by sin and redeemed by Christ, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking in those categories, but I'm not sure that's exactly what he was meaning. Certainly not when he said, you know, that it causes us to sweat or it causes us to have blisters. He, I don't think he would use um, words like sin in that context. But, um, you know, he maybe want, may, may want to go a little bit farther that direction than I would. Um, yeah, and that's kind of one of the things we we're trying to figure out, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, some of those things... I guess what you could say is that some of the um some of the effects of using different technologies that we've developed um even when we don't use them in sinful ways, so I'm still thinking of the shovel example um some of the effects can still be tainted by or a result of the fall so the fact that we get blisters when we do really hard work and our hands are rubbing against a piece of wood, which is the, you know, the um, main part of the shovel, the handle, um, the fact that that our bodies uh, are injured in that way or decay in that way is a result of the fall. Um, if we had, you know, if we lived in a perfect world, there'd be no no pain and suffering potentially. Right. Um,
0: yeah, and so,
1: you know, that's, that to me is, um, I can see that point but I still don't think it makes the actual te- piece of technology um not neutral. I think it's just a f- it's just a fact of of the world that we live in. As in I wouldn't blame the shovel. I won't look at a shovel and say I'm not going to use that because it's going to hurt my hands. I'm going to go oh, how yeah. can I alleviate this? How can I work in the cooler part of the day? Not load my shovel up so much that it hurts my back.
0: Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like um, Yeah, I definitely don't think he would he would <coughs> say he would blame the shovel for it either though. Um, But yeah, I get what you're saying. I think we're, like you said earlier, we're probably pretty close on this one, um, you and I. Um, But yeah, let's, you know, I think we'll actually be pretty close on this next one too. Um, But let's talk about um, episode 41. So last week, um, episode title one in billions, which referred to the probability, according to Elon Musk, that we are all living in a simulation or the matrix or, you know, I, I mentioned brains in vats. And uh, I realize that there are nuances between brains and vats and the matrix or the simulation he's talking about. But mm. I mean, that's the philosophical issue is it's called solipsism. And uh, yeah. the idea is, how do you know you're not a brain in a vat, right? Yeah. How do you know you're not? How do you know what is real? Essentially, it's a metaphysical question.
1: I couldn't um, believe that the word solipsism didn't come up in that episode. I was like, come on, guys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, this and this is one of the things I was saying earlier when I said, it's amazing how little you can get through in 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean that that I have so much more to say about that to clarify what I was meaning. You know, I took a pretty hard line stance on that episode. Um, that if you believe the Bible and and what the Bible says about who God is and what He's like, you you can say with certainty that no, we're not in a simulation. Yeah, and I didn't really get to develop that t- till towards the end of the episode, um, and just have had further thoughts and clarifications on it this week too. So, what what were some of your initial thoughts though? Just thinking through that and hearing that episode.
1: Yeah, so I think the one in billions comes from Elon Musk saying it would be one in billion chance that we're not
0: in a simulation. Sorry, right. That's what I meant.
1: (laughs) Yeah, given the advance of technology over time. Um, And I just just found that he made some... I mean, I know he's a really intelligent guy. I'm not taking away any credit in that area. But I did find that he made some sort of leaps in his argument that I wasn't sure about. I was kind of like, okay, well, just because... So he was saying video games have got um better since Pong and so therefore for us to assume that we are are not living in a simulation would be um would be errant <laughs> and I'm kind of going uh if video games have got progressively better then at some point in time if if we're living in a photorealistic simulation at some point in time um, someone developing the video game has has had to, what, drug every single person in the world and put them into a VAT so that they can be in this video game? Do you know what I mean? Like, that, we're all conscious people when we were playing Pong. Um, or is he saying that even back then we were in a simulation? And if we were in a simulation back then- Um, who was controlling that simulation? And, and I I don't know, there's a lot of questions that the whole simulation thing raises for me that I don't think anyone can answer. Why are we in a simulation? Are we powering something like in the matrix? Um, does it, you know, are there any glitches in it? Is it like the Truman show and we can hit the edge of the world at some point or (laughs) the sky can glitch out into pixels and we can go, Oh, okay. Something's actually, you know, not right here. It seems to me that, um, that create the whole creation declares the glory of god and god makes himself known through creation um you know what well, i've seen natural disasters but i've never seen a technical glitch in creation um does that might sound really weird but i think uh technology is never ever perfect and so i have pr- i have confidence in the fact that the world i live in is a masterfully created world that could only be possible um with a created God, I don't, I don't think there's any, um, anything that makes me convinced of the idea that that it's a simulation. Uh, but that's all kind of reasoning to the idea of not being in a sim- simulation. Um, you're taking a presuppositional approach and saying if we start with the Bible, then it can't be that way, and I agree with that too. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. I. I uh... Yeah, that's really interesting. I definitely was. um, And I think if you do, you can't say anything else. Um, You know what I mean? But like, it it all depends on your starting point, right? Elon Musk starts from a very different spot um, philosophically than we do. Like he has a different understanding of metaphysics. What is real? Are there just natural things or are there supernatural things? Right? I mean, he has a different understanding of epistemology, right? How do we know what we know? Uh, you know, he has a different understanding of ethics. What, what is good and what should I act like? How should I behave, right? And so all of those three fundamental issues as far as his worldview are, come from totally different places than where we would come from. And that's why he can go where he does. To me, the most interesting thing about it is you've got this brilliant guy who is willing to go to these lengths to deny God's existence. And that's what I think it ultimately comes down to is that, um, you know, by nature, we are children of wrath. We hate God. We are His enemies, um, and so if God is real, especially the God of the Bible, He has a standard for my life, and He will judge me according to that standard, right? And so yeah. if uh, if He's the ultimate judge, and by nature of being Creator and by nature of nature of being holy as He is, uh, I don't want Him to be real because then He's going to have some say over my life, and He's going to have. Uh, something to say about all of the sin that I've lived in for as long exactly. as I've existed, yep. and so I'll do anything I can to, you know, as folks are often saying, pull a curtain over God's face and make Him go away so that I don't have to deal with with Him. And yep. so scientists will come up with theories like the multiverse uh, and and theories like we're in a simulation so that they don't have to deal with God. And that's to me that's what it comes down to uh, fundamentally.
1: Yeah, and and that issue, I mean, the suppression of the knowledge of God uh, a la Romans 1 is something that should not surprise us as Christians. You know, um, we're told in the Bible that people will do that. We're told in the Bible that people will uh, try to shirk the responsibility that comes with a knowledge of their creator. Um, And so, when these guys who are super intelligent in a worldly sense Um, say things like that and say, you know, well, either either we're in a simulation or, um, you know, civilization is going to cease to exist or whatever. And they make these big claims about how they're so sure that um, there is no God and that we are are living in a a purely self, um, you know, I don't know, sort of a world that is run by humans only. Uh, I think that should be uh, not, yeah, not something that surprises us and takes us, you know off guard. It should be something that we kind of, we expect that from the world. We expect that from sinful people who are, until God changes their hearts, um, they are against Him. Um, there's no neutrality and, and that's that's where their heart's at. Um, and so, you know, it's not surprising that they deny that.
0: I actually have one comment on that too. For uh, yep. You know, I, w- I wouldn't, it's interesting, people will hear me say that who maybe haven't heard that uh, kind of language before or that thought before, and they may feel. Um, a little uncertain right or or uneasy even by by that but here's the thing you know um we have what we have by grace uh, yes. alone yeah. right and so uh, even though Elon Musk hates god um, and doesn't know Jesus, right? Like that, so did we that at one point. <laughs> right. That doesn't make me feel any ill will towards him. If anything, it makes me feel um, really sad for him and, and like I want to be his friend so I can share the truth of Jesus with him. Yeah. Um, I, I know that's not going to happen, but uh, I mean... Me, but you can pray for him. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it should cause me to pray for him because I was there once, right? And, and if it were just up to me alone, I'd still be there. And that's the point. It's that God uh, in his unlimited grace and mercy reached down and saved me and i want the same for for people like elon musk and and i mean that's that's what it comes down to
1: um something else that i thought was interesting in that conversation i think it was tank it was while you were sort of trying to you were finding a john frame quote um and tank sort of took a little bit of a tangent or started a new um thought about Uh, video game creators not being passive in a simulation or in in a, if we were living in a simulated world, the fact that um, there might still be a way that we can have some contact with the outside world. Um, And there's kind of two thoughts that I thought about that. Um, And I would, so I would, I would preface this by saying that the same as you, I would approach this topic presuppositionally and say, okay, if you, are willing to say that there is no god and therefore the bible is not true and therefore we could be living in a simulation then you've given up all um, ability to reason effectively anyway um but le- you know putting putting presuppositional apologetics to one side um the other the other side of the coin is um pascal's wager right so like if this is all we've experienced if this if this world that we're living in is all we've ever experienced and we don't know Um, Any different, then uh, what we do know is that in this world there is a God that is claiming to be the only true God, um, and that God has done certain things to bring a people to Himself, Um, and it's that God tells us that it's in our best interests to follow Him, Uh, and so uh, you know what Pascal's Wager is, right? Yes. Yeah. You you know you if you're looking at eternity, it's a far better option to go. Um, eternity with God than to um, chance eternity without God and hope for the best. Uh, And I'm not saying this is a good apologetic method, but I'm just saying if we're living in a simulation, we don't have any, um, you know, we can't go and look at at manuscript evidence for the Bible and all these things that help us know that what we know is true um, from a, you know, from a textual transmission standpoint and all those kinds of things. If we were just taking it on evangelical Christian face value, I think. Um yeah there's that kind of side to it and the other thing that tank brought in was um about someone you know having some knowledge of outside even though you're inside a simulation uh the only way that that is possible is um is if that the person outside the person in control um is comes into the the simulation somehow and and Tim Keller talks about I think he uses Shakespeare as the example so Hamlet or whatever can go up into the top of his castle looking for um the person who wrote the play, but the only yeah. way that he's ever going to find that person is if that person writes himself into the story as a character, which is exactly what God did for us in Jesus. Um, and so, yes. even if we're in a simulation, we're in a we're in a simulation where um, where the God who is proclaimed as as the one and only true God um, has written himself into that simulation. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, for me, from like if I was putting money on it, I'd, I'd be going with um the best possible um outcome uh and so yeah, I'd much rather if I was living in a simulation, I'd rather um put my faith in the God of truth and the God who claims to be true um than uh in the programmers or whoever is kind of um running running that and if if it all turns out to be you know a simulation, which I'm sure it won't, but if it did. Um if it did all turn out to be a simulation in the end then uh at least you've you know you've actually committed to truth you've had convictions you've um believed in a god who has claimed to be um the true god and i think that's a better option than the opposite so i, I would not i would not start there but i would you know if if i ever got into a discussion where people were just um not listening to the presuppositional thing or whatever, I think. Um, it's an interesting thing to think about. If you are in a simulation, so what? Like, which way are you going to live still? Are you going to still live as if um, everything's pointless? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, or could it be that there is actually a point to it?
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's a great point. Um, it's interesting that you bring up the Shakespeare thing. I'm actually reading... Um, the Doctrine of God by John Frame, which you mentioned the quote from last week, and I'm also reading Wayne Grudem's Systematic for a Seminary, um, and they both use that same illustration. It's, uh, they use Macbeth. But yeah, the oh, sorry. That, it
1: probably was Macbeth. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, either way, it works. The point is that the, the character in the play wouldn't ever know anything about the author unless the author made himself known. And that's how God is, uh, right? Unless we have his revelation, we couldn't know him. He would be unknowable if he didn't reach down and uh, reveal himself to us. And even more so, the point you bring up about um, Jesus becoming incarnate, right? That uh, the second person of the Trinity um, takes on flesh and enters into his creation is the thing that stands out, uh, in Christianity. You know, uh, it's funny in Grudem's systematic, a few pages later, he actually is talking about certainty. And we've been, um, relative to Revelation, we've actually been making some pretty, uh, significant claims, you and I, Craig, uh, in this episode that, uh, you know if we weren't it would be interesting if you didn't believe what we were saying and you were hearing this for the first time you might be thinking to yourself how could these guys know that um you know and he brings up a point that any fact that we know um as finite creatures finite in our knowledge could be invalidated by some future fact that we discover right and so actually it's not that um in one sense, we can't know anything unless God reveals, uh, himself and his creation to us, right? Um, but really that has more to do with our certainty, uh, the degree of certainty we have with what, with what we know, right? So, uh, our knowledge can be invalidated by things we learn in the future. However, God's knowledge can never be invalidated because he knows everything, right? And has from eternity past to eternity future. He does, His knowledge does not increase or decrease. He's just always known everything. Um, he doesn't take in knowledge either. So, if God, the one who knows all, reveals things to us, we can know with certainty that those things are true because he's His knowledge can never be invalidated. He will never learn something that invalidates something He previously knew, unlike us. And so, really, when you talk about epistemology and certainty as far as knowing you can't have uh, certainty unless you have a revelational epistemology, which is uh what we have as Christians. And it's just pretty amazing, I think, um when you just think about that. Um, yeah, I mean, praise God, it's just amazing. I think yeah. about I think about Romans eleven, uh where Paul, after explaining the gospel and, and God's plan uh in redemptive history, uh and he's just really brought down to doxology that he praises God for um how unsearchable his ways are, right? And uh, I wonder what you thought about the argument from Romans eleven last week, Craig, uh that, that if everything's for uh, from God to God and uh through God, then uh, we can say that we're not in a simulation. What did you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's pretty um watertight. I I, I totally agree. I think the only thing is um the only pushback could be that uh if if even the Bible is a simulation, like even if, if even the Bible is part of the simulation, that's where it, you know, you might have to take a slightly different, uh, approach in terms of reasoning with the person who believes they're in a simulation. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, so that's actually, since this didn't come up till towards the end of the episode, I didn't get to develop it very fully. Um, but I was thinking more this week about how, if God is the creator and governor and purpose of all things, right then he, he would be even the creator and governor of, and purpose of the people who create the simulation and, and of the simulation itself. Right. And yeah, so then correct. we could ask lots of questions about um, what's God's purpose in putting us in a simulation. Right. Because ultimately, although the people who in this fictional world that does not exist, um, the people who created the simulation put us in the simulation. Um, but that's only a secondary cause. The, the primary cause the ultimate cause is that God decreed that that would happen, right? That's and so right. we could ask, what is God's purpose for that? What What is God's purpose for for doing that? And, and in what way has God sovereignly ordained that this would take place and then caused that to happen in time and space and in history, right? And I don't think those questions can be answered, right? If God's uh, point in all of redemptive history, as we know from his word, is to reveal himself in Jesus and thereby get glory, um, ultimately by saving sinners who don't deserve it, uh but also by judging uh those who do and, and being proven just and holy in all that he is um then what would it be his purpose in in a simulation being involved in that and and i think it has significant implications i thought of this uh later i wish i would have brought it up for the incarnation right yeah <laughs> i mean was jesus in the simulation too i think if you read hebrews and you see that it was necessary that he was made as a man uh, born as a man that he um uh that he could not uh, sacrifice, give the ultimate sacrifice for us. If he was not fully human, um, right? And that's sort of the point of the author of Hebrews. Um, you know, it has significant implications, right? If he was, if he was in a simulation, does his sacrifice actually count?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're right. Though, even if even if we were to say that the simulation thing could be valid, um, there still has to be. There has to be people controlling the simulation somewhere. There has to be creatures controlling the simulation. And for there to be creatures right. controlling the simulation, there has to be a God that created the creatures. Um, unless we go back to um, random chance acting on matter and somehow believe that that created people with enough intelligence to create a simulation to capture the rest of the world. Um, it's just, yeah. I think you have to make so many leaps of faith to be able to believe that that would be possible. Um that to believe the Bible instead uh, would seem actually far far less of a leap <laughs> to me. you know if we're all living in a simulation then then you've got two choices you've got a choice to follow the reality of that simulation and see where it leads or you've got to admit that you can't know anything for certain because it's all just simulated anyway and so you can you may as well not get out of bed in the morning the same as if atheism is true right like if there's no god then there's no reason for um the things that we do in our lives um so if that's the case then I'd, yeah, i yeah i think it's just an open it's a bit of an open shut thing like um if we're living in a simulation then we're all making our best judgments um on on what's presented to us in that simulation um from what i can see the best judgment is to um live my life for god um and and so yeah i, I have full faith that that is not um simulated because of the fact that it's uh, a real relationship uh with god which is the other thing that people can't argue with um it's hard to describe sometimes what it means to be in relationship with god but there is a a spiritual aspect to that that goes beyond uh i think what could be programmed um into someone um we're spiritual beings we're not just technical beings uh, we're not just uh computers or things that can be um switched on and off in terms of um and we don't just rely on emotions for our conversion experience either um it's a uh our coming to the Lord is a um is a spiritual change. A heart change, Um, and so I don't think that that is something that that could easily be attributed to a simulated world. So I think certainly um, the fact that we have God's revelation and that God is the source of truth and the only valid source of truth um, is is really the starting and ending point for that discussion.
0: No recos this week, but hey, if you want to connect with us, you can do so by joining our Slack channel. Actually. I've been saying that for 42 episodes now, um, and that's actually not technically correct. It's our Slack team, and there are many channels inside it, which I realized recently, and it bugged me, so I thought I would correct it now for everyone. So, jump in our Slack team. You can sign up at slack.techreformation.com.
1: And you can connect with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash techreformation. And Twitter at Tech Reformation. Like Ben already said, if you check the Twitter feed during the week, you'll see um, some links to stories and things that, uh, that might be of interest to you in the tech space. And you can also check
0: out our website, TechReformation.com, to search for past topics and episodes. Feel free to email us also at AskTechReformation.com. At we are a part of the Theology Mix Network. There are links to their website and Master iTunes feed in the show notes.
1: Don't forget to uh, review us on iTunes and recommend us on Overcast. And this music you're listening to is used by special permission of Matthew Parker. You can find his stuff on SoundCloud and iTunes.
0: This has been Tech Reformation. Thanks for listening. We're really glad you're back, Craig. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. And we'll see you next week. Well, let's just say this. If we are in a simulation, why did our simulation overlords not give us better Skype connections? My goodness. (laughs) And that's a wrap on the main topic this week.